This is Books of Titans, the podcast dedicated to the influences of influencers. The books that have helped shape prominent inventors, business leaders, athletes, intellectuals, scientists, and others. We'll talk about what makes these books such classics and at least attempt to have an intelligent discussion about what makes them so important and influential. Hello, this is Eric Rostad coming to you right outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Today, I'm going to cover a book called Splendor of God by Honoré Wilsey Morrow. This is book 22 of 52 for my 2019 reading list. This episode will consist of three segments. The first will be a brief introduction to the book, why I read it, and my initial reaction. The second segment, I'm just going to cover some things that make this book and story unique. And then the third segment will be the one thing, my one key takeaway from this book. So on to segment one, the author Honoré Wilsey Morrow. She was an American novelist with a talent for historical research, born in 1880 in Iowa, and graduated from the University of Wisconsin with a history degree. She married Henry Wilsey, but they divorced in 1922, and a year later she married William Morrow, who was a publisher. She is also quite well known for a trilogy she wrote about Abraham Lincoln called Great Captain. Splendor of God was published in 1929, so it is 90 years old, and it depicts events that took place in the early 1800s. So we're roughly 200 years removed from the events in the book, and Honoré, the author, was uh, roughly 100 years, if you if you take into consideration the, the research to, to write the book. And that's what she did. She, she read a number of books. They're listed in the back of the book and then, and then wrote this book, Splendor of God. And it's, it's about Adoniram and Anne Judson. And they were some of the first missionaries to be sent from America. And they had a strong desire. Of, they, they felt a call on their life to share their faith in Jesus. They wanted to share that with other cultures. And so where they were first headed to was to Calcutta, India, but once they got there, and they, that was in 1812, I believe, when they got to India, the Brits were not all that happy about them sharing their faith with the Hindus. And as part of the East India Company, they asked them to move right along onto Burma. Burma is across the Bay of Bengal, and we know Burma now as Myanmar, but at that time it was called Burma. And so Adoniram and Anne arrived there. They're from New England, and they are some of the first Americans ever to enter Burma. Once they got there, they found out quite quickly that if they were to convert anyone there from their Buddhist faith to, to Christianity, uh, Burma being a, a, a Buddhist country, if, if anyone there was to convert as a result of Adoniram and Anne, that uh, that Burmese person would be killed and not in a pleasant way. So can you imagine your, your newlyweds? Uh, Adoniram's 25 years old at this point. They've been on a boat forever to get to, from, from Massachusetts to India. Once they get there, they're not welcome. They're sent along. They finally get to Burma, July 1813. On the boat, on the way there, they, uh, Anne has a miscarriage. And so there, there's already tragedy starting to happen. And, and then to find out that, that information when you get there, that, um, that it's actually going to be quite dangerous to, to preach and to share about Jesus in Burma. 
So the first thing Adoniram does is to go about learning the language. And he does that by, by working directly with a teacher for like 12 to 14 hours a day. And that's what he does for roughly the first two years, just to, just to learn the language of the country. It's seven years before he sees his first convert. And by that point, he's, he's attempting to meet with the actual king of Burma to get approval for him to preach and to get approval to where if somebody does become a Christian, they are not going to get killed uh, for, for their faith. And so that, that kind of goes on. It's, it's, he, he tries to meet with the king, but then meets with other local people as well. And no, no one's really excited about him sharing his faith, but, uh, but some people are, are, I guess they aren't immediately killed for, for becoming Christians. Later on, uh, the Anglo-Burmese war happens. So Anglo, England, Burmese, uh, Burma, obviously, and, Adoniram is kind of caught in the middle of this. And so he's, at first he's working with the Burmese to help them know what the, the Brits want and is kind of acts as the in-between. And then later on uh, does the same for the Brits to, to be the translator in a lot of cases and then just to, to be a, a go-between between these two countries. But he's living in Burma and Burma, uh, the Burmese officials get a little scared and they put him in prison for 18 months. Now, part of that is, is because he's sharing his faith, but, but a lot of it is they think he's maybe uh, working with the Brits. And if the two countries are at war, uh, it's, he's a liability at this point. So he's imprisoned and prison's not like, uh, you know, watching television and lifting weights. He's it's horrible situation. And like, for instance, each night they're, they're hung by their feet, but enough so to where they can lay their head down. But uh, can you imagine sleeping like that? Like you're hung by by chains by your feet, and that was just kind of one of the things. But then just a lot of horrible things went on in the prison, and it was so bad that he was not able to read or write for a while after being there because his mind was so. And any time he would try to read, his he would remember these these horrible things that happened and and couldn't write either as a result other tragedy strikes he uh him and Anne have two children they both die so now they've had a miscarriage and then they've also had two children that are born they live a while and then die and then Anne, his wife passes away as well this all happens by the time he's 38 years old but uh, in the end, he translates the Bible into Burmese. He starts 100 churches, and there are 8,000 followers by the time that he dies. So this book is a tale of faith. It's a tale of tremendous suffering, of redemption, loss, and hope. I've, I've not read many books that are similar to this. Uh, it, it was... Amazing to look into Burma in the early 1800s and their first interactions with Westerners and eventually the British Army in the Anglo-Burmese War. And then it was amazing to see how much suffering Adoniram and his wife Anne went through, how many friends they lost, how many of their uh, their own children they lost, and then to, to for him to lose Anne as well. 
and they were just they were just so passionately in love with each other and when when he lost Anne you just you you kind of think it's going to be the last straw but but it's not he he keeps going as for who suggested the book that was Jason uh, my podcast co-host and he said it was one of the best books that he'd ever read and when he said that and then I looked it up and saw that there were not many copies remaining I went ahead and bought it and then added it to my list this year. So I pushed another book off, but uh, added this one on. And I'm glad that I did. I read it from June 10th through the 18th of this year, 2019. So it took eight days to read, 374-page book. So that's roughly 47 pages per day. Total time it took me was 10 hours, 28 minutes, and 8 seconds. That's a minute 41 per page. The reason I share that is I am a... I consider myself to be a slow reader. So I I like sharing that just so you kind of have an idea of of perhaps how long it'll take you and if you're a faster reader than than I am which is which is probably likely. So just so you know it'll probably take you less than 10 hours to to read this book. As for my initial reaction, the book was was very intriguing. Uh like I said, unlike a lot of other books out there, and part of that is is just the age of it. And then, I I mean, do you know a lot of other books out there where it's the uh, an American's first uh, or one of the first Americans to to land in a place and then to to eventually be before the king almost every day for for a period to to be the go between with the British army. And so just you're learning all this history and in seeing a country confronted with Western. Uh, thoughts and ideas and just really fascinating book. It's also the first book I've ever read about Burma, uh, Myanmar. And it's also a book that leaves a lot of questions. And I'll get into that later in this episode. As for who should read the book, if you're interested in missionary history, obviously this is a a big one, uh, some of the first missionaries. And then in terms of the impact uh, that uh, that Adoniram and, and Anne had uh, quite quite extensive. I'll, I'll go into that a little bit later as well. If you are interested in in questions of of faith and what it's like to suffer and to still hold on to the faith through that suffering, also a good book. And if you're just kind of have a general interest in Burmese history, this I think would take a uh, angle perhaps that that you're not going to get in in other history books of, of Burma at the time. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome and thanks for checking it out. I started the Books of Titans po- project because I needed help finding the best books. So I found out what some of the t- world's top performers were reading, and then I chose 52 of those books and decided to read those in 2017. So I wanted to do a book a week. And since then, I've, I've continued that on and, and have, have chosen 52 books per week. One of the best things I've done as part of this project is to share that list with others. And I do that on the Books of Titans website. I've also opened up the Books of Titans website to where you can share your reading list as well. This creates a, a great sense of accountability because you're sharing the list with others but I've also opened it up to where you can review each book and share your thoughts, rate each book, share when you started it, when you finished it, all those kind of fun, 
fun details. So if that's something that interests you, I've got plans starting at just $9 per month. You can go to booksoftitans.com forward slash my list and you'll see other people who have shared their list as well as ways that you can share your list on online. It's also a great tool. I'll, I'll take snapshots or screenshots of the list on the website and share those on social platforms. And, and people always enjoy those because you, you, you can see all the books that you're reading for the year and uh, they're, they're all right there. So good option for you if, you if you're looking for a way to kind of jumpstart your, your reading list and with the ability to share it with others. So now back to the book. Here are some things that amazed me about Adoniram, the man. One was, was his utter disregard for his own well-being. And I, I would continually think about a lot of the other books we've read for this project, books along kind of the self-help line or how to be more productive, how to get things done. And a lot of those are, are me-focused. I mean, even to the point where if, if somebody's not making you happy or they're not leading your, to your productivity, uh, it's okay to just get rid of them and move on and, and, and not have them be part of your life. And that is so anti what Adoniram's life was about. His, his call was to share Jesus and to share his faith with as many people as he could. He became known in Burma as the Jesus Christ man. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Just everyone knew. I mean, he was so passionate about it. And that passion, it, it was an everyday thing for him, but it was such that he continually laid down his life for his friends. And that was done through just being in, in want and not, not thinking about himself first, but thinking about others. Uh, but it it would it would manifest itself in kind of these these bright spot or these these focal points and and that would be perhaps in front of the Burmese officials and and Adoniram is is before them with a Burmese friend and the officials are are threatening his friend with death and every single time Adoniram would would kind of walk in front and say hey, no uh, you you can put me to death in in place of this man. And it was just such a common thing. In, in, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, oh, wait, I need, I need to like, if I'm going to do this, I need to go talk to my wife real quick. Just tell her, hey, here's the plan. Um, I'm going to step in front of my friend here, take his death. You, you cool with that? Uh, I know, you know, we got kids, like, you, you're going to be, be okay with them. Oh, and it's not going to be a pretty death. It's going to take a long time. It's going to be a lot of suffering. Uh, okay, you're good. Okay, good. I'm going to go back. That's kind of what I'm thinking in my mind, but uh, no, it was just his his immediate response, and he was he was willing to give his life so that he so that people in Burma could hear the news, and that was his life's focus. And the impact that that had uh, is is tremendous. I mean, to to this day, Adoniram translated the Bible into Burmese. He was the first person to do that. And he finished that in 1834. He spent 24 years of his life doing that. It was printed and published in 1835. There've been a number of other translations of the Bible into Burmese since then, but uh, it's his, his translation is still the most popular one in Myanmar. His wife translated the Bible into Thai. 
in large part to his influence in, in terms of the number of Baptists worldwide, Myanmar has the third largest number after the United States and India. And there are 36 Baptist churches in the United States that are named after him. There's also a town in Arkansas called Judzonia named after him as well. But uh, the, the, his impact is, is felt throughout the world, and he had an impact on other missionaries that went from America, and, and a lot of them would follow his example um, of, of learning the language first, spending a tremendous amount of time each day learning it, and then, and then translating the, the Bible into the, into the language of, of the people. He was also a big believer in, in training and, and converting people there and then giving them the, handing the baton to them for them to take over. He knew that he, him being from America, he was not going to be the person to, to share with, with local people and have the biggest impact. It was going to have to be local sharing with their family and friends and that 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 was neat to to read that as well and and i guess just very smart of him adoniram when when he was in school in in massachusetts and in in the united states he was known as a very brilliant man he was he was teaching his sunday school at age 12 so he was teaching adults uh when he was 12 years old and then just at his time at the university he he was always known as a, a very brilliant man so one one other thing that that I thought was really neat uh, in in what he discusses in the book is a separation between his spirit and his body. And he would he would often say, "My foolish body is afraid, but my spirit isn't." I suppose because that belongs to God. So he, if you might have this idea that he was had no fear, uh, if he's laying down his life regularly. Um, or, or offering to, he, he must not have any fear at all, but he, he would say that he had tremendous fear, but he would distinguish that fear and he would say that it's from my foolish body, but my spirit, that belongs to God and that is not afraid. In, in those circumstances, I am, that's what I'm trusting in. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not letting my body take over and the fear from my body take over, but I'm going with my spirit here, here because that belongs to God. Now on to segment three and the one thing, my one key takeaway from this book. Oftentimes, uh, the, the, the one thing for me is something that I can't shake out of my head. It's, it's something that's some idea or concept that still rattles in my brain. And for this book, it's this idea of seeking the face of God. It's something that Adoniram had an overwhelming desire to do. He wanted to get as close to God as he could. And for him, it was seeking the face of God. I guess uh, a few things come to mind when I, when I think of that, of, of being face-to-face with God. And, and one is just a, a basic being face-to-face with, with a human and, and perhaps contrasting that with being on the phone with somebody uh, but if you, if you're face to face with somebody over over coffee, there there's there is so much you can see in being face to face with that person that you can't in other ways. 
even even walking side by side with somebody, you you miss something of of the nuance of of expression or uh, what the eyes are doing. There's there's something extremely powerful of being face to face with somebody and and talking. It's one of the highest points of connection. So that's one thing that comes to mind when it, when I think of, of of seeking the face of God or or being face to face with God. Another thing, and, and this comes from a book I'm reading right now, but a book by Murakami by, uh, called Killing Commendadore. And in that book, there's a portrait artist who, who is attempting to paint a portrait of somebody, but he, he can't paint the face. And he can't paint the face because he doesn't know the person enough. And so the painting is left undone uh, where the face is just empty because he... he he doesn't know the person enough. So this idea of, of being face-to-face, of, of, of really knowing and truly knowing. But there, there's warnings for it. And, and in the Bible, man can't look at God's face. Man, man is not allowed to, to see God's face. But this desire of, of Adoniram to, to, to get close. Uh, after his wife, his first wife dies, he, he marries Sarah Boardman. And they're talking and, and Sarah says this to him, you dare to try to look on the face of God, which God himself forbade us doing. And then later on, she says, if you keep up your terrible, lonely effort to see God's face, you'll go mad. No human being can endure the struggle. Adoniram later in writing to his sister, he stated, I believe absolutely in God, but I cannot find him. And I, I don't know what to do make of this. I don't know what to do with this. Here's a man who, who sought with everything in him. And he says, I can't find him. Um, Sarah, his second wife saying, you, you're, you're killing yourself by trying to seek the face of God. And we get to the end of the book and, and some of the most powerful statements are on the, the last page of the book. And we, we learn what the title comes from in, in the back of the book. And, and this ties into this idea of face, uh, seeking the face of God. But here's, uh, here's the quote, and, and Adoniram says, says this, And when that overpowering, overpowering craving comes to know him, for it will come again and again, instead of turning to loneliness and starvation and horribleness, I'll think on what Christ said. For he knew that our poor minds couldn't yet, yet grasp God, and he told us, I'm the way and the truth and the life. Uh, and, and quote, after that, him and Sarah are, are looking out at Burma's natural beauty and Honoré, the author, writes this. One might not see his face, but one could see his splendor and love it unafraid. End quote. So God's splendor, the splendor of God, the title of this book, it, it's, it's the natural beauty around around them. And so again, one might not see his face, but one could see his splendor and love it unafraid. And so the book ends with Adoniram and, and Sarah, his second wife, walking into this valley that they've been that they've been viewing. And so it's almost like they enter into this beauty. They enter into God's splendor splendor. They they literally enter into it in the sense of walking into this this beauty. And that's a that's a really nice ending in the sense of it being a nice love story for Adoniram, but it didn't clear things up for me in the sense of 
of his faith. Um, was he redirecting that faith to a lesser desire? Uh, Burma's beauty compared to the face of God? Or since you couldn't get to his face, was natural beauty the next best thing? It, it just, it almost seems like a letdown of Adoniram was seeking something lesser by seeking God's splendor compared to seeking his face. And so that's the idea that's still rattling around in my brain. Um, I'd love your thoughts on that. If, 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 if that stri- if that strikes you or, or if you have a, a, a thought that kind of gets pa- past that perhaps, uh, but that's, that's what I've, I've been thinking about a lot since, since reading this, this book. It's, it's a, a fantastic book. I, I do recommend you reading it. Uh, it, it was one that I wasn't hoping would end. And I just thought about it so much after reading it. Uh, those are my favorite kind of books and, and almost a disappointment when you get towards the end and, and you know, it's about to end soon, but, um, but a, a, a really good one. And, and thank you, Jason, for the, for the suggestion. All right, that'll do it for this episode. Before I sign off, just a reminder that you can share your reading list on the Books of Titans website by going to booksoftitans.com forward slash mybooks. You can also follow Books of Titans on Instagram or Twitter at Books of Titans. And if you haven't already done so, you can subscribe to this podcast and find all of our past episodes through iTunes, the Android Marketplace, or your podcast manager of choice. If you're enjoying the podcast, please review it. That helps us in the search rankings for so that other people can find this this uh, podcast we'll be back next week with another book and until then keep reading keep learning and keep listening i'm out